Wonderful. Wow. Well, you may be seated. Good to see you this morning. Thank you for uh, having Sharon and I here this morning. It's a great privilege to be with you. Uh, I must admit uh, what happened before. I've never had that happen before in a, in a church service. And uh, only at a fuse. And uh, yeah, it, you know, I said to a few people, I'm a bit, feeling a bit awkward, feeling a bit embarrassed. Uh, but thank you uh, for your... Yeah, for your for your generosity and the words that were shared, and uh, yeah, it's quite overwhelming to uh, to walk into that. You know, uh, the thing I love about it though is that um, maybe you're new here today, or maybe you're a part of the church and you've seen that happen before, and you've gone, "Why do we do that? I haven't seen that anywhere else before either." I know exactly why it happens here in this church because uh, everything in a church, uh, and we see it in our church, uh, reflects the heart of its senior pastors. And uh, as I've got to know uh, Gary, and more so we're getting to know Jane, uh, but I've known Gary a, a little while, and uh, Gary uh, has a gift of encouragement. And, uh, and it's actually a spiritual gift, you know, God gives out spiritual gifts. It's not just that he likes to say nice things to people, God has actually given him the gift of encouragement. And, uh, and over the years, on a Sunday morning driving to church, I've received a text message from Gary, uh, just, you know, encouraging stirring and uh, that's been consistent in him and so when I sat here this morning I thought wow I haven't seen this before before it was very clear to me that that's it's in the heart of your pastor uh, to to genuinely genuinely authentically encourage and lift people and so uh, that's such a great quality and a great gift so we thank you guys for that this morning hey um Sharon is here with me this morning, as Gary mentioned, and we have two adult children. Well, I suppose they're old, adult children. Georgia definitely is. She's 21, so she's just celebrated her 21st, and I think she's getting married next year, so pray for us. <laughs> I'm cool with it. I'm just pray for my bank balance, like <laughs> girls and weddings. Man, oh, my gosh. Um, and, uh, and Zach, he's uh, 16, about to turn 17, and uh, he's about as tall as me. Uh, a whole lot more athletic than me, and uh, he, he's doing really well in year 12. So that's our family. Uh, I really want to get straight to preaching the Word today. Is that all right? Um, I know we've only got a certain amount of time, and I, I really do have something I want to share, and I pray it's going to encourage and bless you today. Is that why you came to church, ready to be encouraged, blessed, maybe a little challenged? Anyone up for that? Okay, I'm in the right place. So, so we're going to go to it this morning, and uh, I've, got, I've got a bit of Scripture Sorry, I'm using technology today. Let's just get that underway. Uh, it's a whole lot easier for me because I can't see very well. So my print on this screen is massive and uh, saves me putting the glasses on and off. So there we go. Uh, today, I really do want to uh, share something with you. And uh, it's called How Do I? It's a, it's a message. Um, I think we've got something up there. How do I? And I want to specifically talk about an aspect of how do we this morning, and it's how do I be me? How do I be myself? And uh, it's a really important message. I I just think this message today is, as I come here, I'm not here to give you direction. I'm not here to tell you what the next five years looks like. Uh, My role in coming in here today is to minister the Word of God to you, and I really feel that this is a Word that's going to minister to every heart this morning, and it's going to cause us to really reflect and see where we're at and where God wants to take us. And so how do I be me? This message is all about authenticity. Colossians 3 And verse 1 to 3 in the New Living Translation goes a little bit like this. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Already there is so much in that. How much of our life are our eyes set on the things of life? How often are we drawn in our view, in our gaze, in our thoughts, in our conversation to what's happening around us here on earth. But it says here to set your sights, because we've been raised to a new life, the old is gone, the new has come. Scripture says we're new creations in Christ Jesus. It says that we need to set our sights on the realities of heaven. What an incredible thought. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, so to the life without Christ, the life of sin, the life of disconnection, the life of, of not knowing Jesus Christ and not having relationship with God. We've died to that life. And it says here, and your real life, your authentic life, is hidden with what the magazines say about me. Your real life is hidden with whether my friends like me or not. 
No, my real life is hidden with Christ in God. You know, in any great orchestra or band, uh, any, each individual of that orchestra or each member of that band understands that they have a role to play and that it's been fashioned just for them. Now, I'm not that musical, so uh, I can relate more to maybe a, a sporting team. I played football growing up, and so as a part of a football team in the same way, every person on that team has a role to play. If everyone wanted to kick the goals, not many goals would get kicked because no one would get the ball to the goal kicker. And so who knows that in football or any sport, there's a team, and everyone on that team has a role to play. And unless each person plays their role, then the, then the success and the aim and the goal and the end result won't be achieved. Well, it's the same in an orchestra that there is a part for every single person with that instrument to, to play and to fulfill. And until they play the part that's written for them, the wonder of that musical masterpiece will never, ever, ever eventuate. Who likes listening to music? Anyone who likes listening to orchestral, if that's the right word, music. Isn't it beautiful? Why is it beautiful? Because every single person in that orchestra is playing their role. Imagine if each person in that orchestra went rogue. Imagine it for a moment. None of you would listen to their music. None of you would have downloaded any of their... We wouldn't be talking about it today because nobody would be interested in that noise. But what makes it beautiful and what makes it powerful and what makes it so emotive and why it has such a a connection with us is because when all of the pieces come together, each person playing their role, there's something beautiful about it. And so we fast forward or we come off that thought today and we ask the question, well, who am I? What role do I play? What is my part in God's great orchestra? In God's team, what is my part? Where do I fit in? Who knows that there's a lot of pressure to fit in? At your work, with your friends, uh, maybe uh, with your social club, maybe even in your family, there can be a lot of pressure today to be a whole lot of things, can't there? There's a whole lot of pressure and particularly I I look at our generations coming up and, and I'm sure every generation says this, but I look at when I went to school and and the things that I encountered versus my kids going to school. And I think the, the longer we go along in a broken world, it seems that the pressures but only increase. There's the pressure to fit into a mold. There's a pressure to fit into what the world says or what society says we should look like. There's the pressure to conform to an ideal. Haven't we seen that in our nation through recent uh, votes and uh, issues raised where there's a lot of pressure to conform and if you don't, you'll be victimised or demonised. There's a lot of pressure to look a certain way. A lot of pressure to talk a certain way. Even when it comes to consumerism, to have the latest iPhone or smart TV. We are on our staff, I think all of us have iPhones except for my youth pastor. He has a Samsung and we, we do let him know that he's not quite made it yet. <laughs> Sorry if you've got a Samsung, it's just my opinion. <laughs> but that pressure to have the latest, that the pressure that we have to portray ourselves in a way that others will actually like and will actually ultimately win us acceptance. You know, you go, oh, Josh, uh, this message isn't for me today. It might be for the young people. No, no, this is a message that does not have age as a barrier. Because I know plenty of people in my church in their 60s and 70s still trying to map out at that stage of their their life, who am I? Who am I? Who is the real me? And so this message this morning that I'm wanting to bring to you is important to free us to be all God's called us to be because... Not only do we feel the pressure to be something other than ourselves, we then get pressured and presented with all these distorted images of what happiness and contentment is. We get all these these, um, pictures put in front of us or ideals put in front of us. There's these ads on TV that, that if only I had that, then I would be happy. It's what I call the if I then doctrine. It's a doctrine that I've created, but it's the if I then doctrine. It's the if I had that car then people would see that I'm successful. If I then. If I could just find a partner, then my life would be complete. 
Don't know about complain, it'll be different. <laughs> it'll be, your life will be different, that's for sure. I don't know about... Anyway, that's another message. Um, Sharon, to you. If I then... If I could just have this job, if my boss would only just notice me, if only I could have that career move then. And we can end up living this doctrine of if I then, and we actually never ever live the life we're called to because guess what? We don't always get to the if I. Some of the things that we think we need to to identify ourselves and to be okay and to be complete sometimes just seem to be out of our reach for our entire life. So then what do you do? If I then... And the truth is that in doing all of that and and having all of that pressure coming in and having all the opinions and all the voices and all the thoughts is that all we've successfully achieved now is totally forgetting who we really are. In chasing that stuff, in trying to fit into the mold, in trying to prove to people that we can, in trying to, to show people, hey, I'm a good person. No, really, I am. In doing all of that, really all we successfully achieve is forgetting who we really are. Or more importantly, forgetting who God says that we are. So this morning, I recognize, and there would be no person in this room exempt from this, is that we all battle with insecurity. We all do. We all do. And what I've learned is it's insecurity that will continually keep you wishing that you were someone different. As long as we've got insecurity in our life, it always will keep us in a place where we think that we were someone different or at least aspects of our life were different or if I looked different or if I had better hair or if I had bigger muscles or if I had hair, as Pastor Gary said. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) But here's the truth this morning that I believe is that until we can really accept and embrace who we are, we will actually never walk free. That real life that Colossians talks about, that's found in Christ, we will never experience that real life as long as we are not, as long as we continue to battle with insecurity and battle with identity. But when you and I can really accept and embrace who God says we are, then we're truly free. And then we can live that real life. Stay with me this morning. This is all a setup. It really is important for each one of us to, to accept who God has made us to be and to stop trying to be that someone that we weren't created to be. You go, Josh, why is it important? Well, I believe it's important because while we're trying to be what we're not, we will never discover God's purpose for who we are. You know, and in our church... We have a a real clear lens about what God's called us to do. It comes from the book of Exodus and right throughout Scripture. And it's God's plan for his people right from the beginning of time. One, I will save you, so it's to know Jesus. The second step is that I will deliver you, find freedom. The third step that for all of us as believers is God's I will promises in Exodus when they were caught in slavery was I will restore you, right? That's all about, right? discovering your purpose, actually working out how God wired you and created you in the first place. And then the last step is, right, God says, I will fulfill you. What's that? I will, I will release you and empower you to make a difference. And so in my church, our language is, it's all about finding, knowing Jesus, finding freedom, discovering purpose and making a difference. And you know what? We will never step into finding our purpose. We, a lot of Christians get stuck at knowing Jesus, So we come, we make a relationship, or we say yes to Jesus, and we enter into the knowing Jesus. But you know what? A lot of Christians and a lot of people in their lifetime actually don't progress much further than that. They don't actually know what it is to find freedom, because who knows that when we find Jesus, not all our problems go away. Has anyone noticed that? It's a little bit like, you know what? The Israelites, they were out of Egypt, but they still had Egypt in them. And so God says, I'm not just going to save you. I'm not just going to give you your little golden ticket to heaven that we're all got tucked away somewhere, but I'm actually going to set you free. I actually have freedom for you. I actually want to see you set free of your past. And then once you've found that freedom and I've got Egypt out of you and I've got, that, got you free of that, my next promise is this. I want to help you to discover your God-given purpose. Why? So I can show off to everyone. So I can 
let everyone know how good... No, no. God wants us to have our purpose realized so that we can make a difference in the lives of others, so that we can fulfill our purpose. That's why it's important for you and I to understand who God says we are, to actually accept it, because it's not until we accept the way that he's wired us and created us that we're free to discover purpose and make a difference. And the last time I looked and the last time I read my Bible and the last time I looked at the book of Acts in the early church, the mandate upon the church is to go and win a city. The mandate of the church is to go and win the lost. The mandate of the church and you and I as Christians is to get as many people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. So that's not incumbent on a pastor. That's incumbent on a group of people, a church, followers of Jesus Christ to understand that you have a purpose and that God wants you to discover that, but he also wants to empower you to live it out. That is the mandate on every single one of us. Max Licardo said, there are things that only you can do, and you are alive to do them. I can't do what you do. Some of you go into a nursing home, a school, a business, a council room. I don't get to go in that room, but you do. There are things that only you can do, and only you're alive to do them. And so... It can become very easy for you and I to spend most of our lives in a state of comparison. Trying to be what we were never created to be and trying to do what we were never created to do. And we wonder why we never really see the fulfillment and the fruit, fruit bowl, (laughs) that we really hope for. But I really believe this this morning, that once we understand that the ultimate value of our lives is is actually not discovered in our achievement, but it's in the discovery of who we are in Christ, then then, and only then have we begin to unmask the key that will unlock our future. So important. Because insecurity and identity, they can completely dominate and hold us in places we don't want to be. You know, when I played football, I started out when I was younger, and uh, they put me uh, in the back line. I didn't do a very good job. And then when I was about 13, they said, oh, Josh, we want you to be you know, in the midfield. I'm like, oh, I can't run that fast. And, um, but I was playing in a team in New South Wales, and most people up there don't play football, so I'd come from Adelaide. I looked like a superstar, but I still couldn't play in the midfield. <laughs> Eventually, a coach saw my potential. He saw my position, and he put me at full forward. And from then on, all of my football days were at full forward. I kicked lots of goals. Our team had lots of success. Why? Because about position. Right? I was in the right position. And it takes a good coach to get everyone in the right position. We have a good coach in our God. He knows your position. He knows the way he's wired you. He's wired you that way for a purpose. Even though at times you struggle with it and you struggle with yourself, we need to accept and recognize that God has created us the way we are to fulfill a position that no one else can. And the sooner we understand that that position is the position God wants us to play, then it unlocks us to be in places that we're meant to be rather than chasing places we're not meant to be. Psalm 139 and 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you turn to the person next to you and say, you're wonderfully made? And the person that was your second choice, can you tell them, (laughs) I'm wonderfully made. You are wonderfully made. It's easy to say it in church, isn't it? I wonder how we go saying it when we're at home on our own in front of the mirror getting ready for work, can we look ourselves in the eye? So I'm not being silly, I'm being serious. Can we look ourselves in the eye and say, I love you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Just a thought. Because you need to understand this morning, you are purposely designed by God to be different. Sometimes you feel different. Yes, that's the point. Imagine if we were all the same. So it's really important we make a decision to accept who we are and accept what God has created us to do. So I want to give you some real practicals today and a bit more scripture because I'm going to answer this question of, so how do I be me, by answering it the way that I answer it. So I'm going to give you some things today that are really important for me personally in how does Josh just continue to be me? Because in my role as a pastor and also in my other roles with the ACC, sometimes there can be a lot of noise coming at you. 
a lot of opinion. Why don't you do this? Why don't you try that? And, and then you can look out at your congregation and, and you can see the ones that would love you to go that way, that way, that way, that way, that way. And it can be very confusing. And it's really, really important for me and for all of us to go, you know what? This is me. This is how God's wired me. I'm going to run in my lane. And even though there's people running in lanes next to me, I'm not going to look at their race. I'm only going to look at mine. You see, a lot of life is run. Have you noticed with the uh, Commonwealth Games that when the guys are doing the sprint, when they're running that 100-meter sprint, I don't know if you've noticed, but they're looking one way and one way only. Which way is it? Do you see any of them running along like this? It'd be ludicrous, wouldn't it? We, 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 would, we would be sitting there yelling at the TV going, come on, man, like, look forward. As ludicrous and funny as that sounds, a lot of us are living our, our existence in God like this looking at what everyone else is doing, looking at their lane, going, oh, wow, how come they got that lane? That's, that lane is so much better than my... That's so unfair. And then, and then no longer are we doing this, we're like this. We've stopped. We're not, even in, we're not even in the race anymore because we're really ticked off about everyone else's lanes. Come on. See, we're called to run our lane. And so here's some things that help me to be me. Number one is to have a heart response and not a head response. To have a heart response and not a head response. Let me explain. Luke 6, 45 says, your words show what is in your heart. Your words... What time do I finish, by the way? Yeah, that, that, what time would everyone else like me to finish? <laughs> okay, done. All right. So I forgot to push start. That's all. <laughs> your words show what is in your heart. So for me, how do I be me is I've got to work really hard to, to run with my heart response and, and not my head response. Let me explain because it's all about learning to respond with what's in your heart, not what's in your head. Because what's in our heart actually reveals the true us. That's what scripture says. All right? Whereas what's in our head is the rehearsed us that we prefer others to see. I'm going to go there today. All right? Come on, we all do this. The heart response versus the head response. Well, if I say this, that will do this. And then people will like me and people will be okay. It'll open that door for me. And so what we do is we become very good at the head response. But you know what? If we're going to be the real us, if we're going to accept who God has called us to be, if we're going to be people who are authentic, and I need to let you know, the generation of young people coming up through our churches, they don't, that they don't value anything else than authenticity. They're not worried about some of the tough teachings of the Bible. They're not worried about that. They just want to know that the guy preaching it is going to live it. They just want to know that you're real and that you're authentic. That's the generation coming through. They, hunger, they get all sorts of labels and they get some really rough labels. But you know what? At the end of the day, the young people growing up in our society, they crave what is real. They just want the truth. They want authenticity. And authenticity is not the rehearsed head response, but authenticity is always our heart response. Because our hearts are a true reflection. And so the challenge for you and I is to grow comfortable with people seeing the real you rather than the rehearsed you. If you're in my church for any length of time, and I'm not encouraging that you do, even though Gary said, come down, don't stay in your church, but you're going to know that what you see is what you get. I actually pre-warn people that I will let them down and disappoint them at some point. And so if you're new to our church, the countdown clock is on before I let you down in some way. Not deliberately, but because what you see is what you get. And the reality is that there is no such thing as a perfect person or a perfect church. And so that means there's going to be moments. There's going to be moments. And so the challenge for us is to let people see the real us and allow people to be endeared to the real, even if that comes with a bit of baggage, even if that comes with a few prickles, even if that comes with some work to be done. Let people see the real you rather than the rehearse you. You see, even if your heart's not in a great condition right now, the good thing about that is that is a great platform for God to come and do the heart work that is necessary in us to grow us 
and to progress us. Because the reality is, until we start letting our heart be seen, it's not just others that we don't let in, but ultimately, it's God that we don't let in. And it's God that works in our hearts, doesn't he? It's God who can take a heart of stone and turn it to a heart of flesh. And so it's God. And what we do, though, is we think, well, if I can just say the right things, if I can just rehearse, and we try to, we try to maneuver and, and get our way around things when ultimately what God says and what the psalmist writes is in Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Listen, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way. In other words, the psalmist David coming before God going, you know what, God, I've got stuff in my heart. I'm struggling, but you know what? Search my heart, know it. In other words, here's my heart, God, not just my surface. Here's my heart, God. And he's already, he's acknowledged, you know, nothing will change until we acknowledge. And the reason the psalmist David could write this is because he's acknowledged, you know what? There's some stuff going on and God, would you just sort of begin to work on it? And what does he say? And lead me, in, in other words, do something with my heart. Would you change it? We see the psalmist write in Psalm 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So the first thing when it comes to how... I don't even know what my title is. How do I be me? Is to be committed to the heart response and not the head response. Here's the second thing. A God pleaser and not a people pleaser. Now you need to know... My natural personality is a people pleaser. So I've had to work very hard at this. Let me give you some scripture that will help us. Galatians 1.10 says, And now, sorry, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, listen, I would not be a servant of Christ. What does it say? You can't do both. What an incredible passage. God, am I trying to please God or am I trying to please people? If I'm trying to please people, then I'm going to have no time and no space to please God. That's what it's telling us. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord. So fear of man, chasing what people think, is only going to bind you up and hold you captive. If all we care about is what people think of us, we will continually be in chains, church. We will continually be in bondage. But it says that it's as we trust in God, as we fear God, that's when we enter enter his safety. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it. Listen, here's this word again, with all your heart, not with all your head. Come on. Work at it with all your heart. As working for who? For the Lord, not for human masters. Here's the thing. It's all about pursuing what God wants for our lives and having our lives completely in pursuit of God. You know, we only have one person to please and and that is the creator of it. It is our God Almighty. Now that doesn't mean that we should be deliberately going around and tick people off. All right, so you're like, cool, Josh said I only have to please God. Now I can be rude to everyone else. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> and it's, it's not having a disregard for others, but it, you understand today when it comes to our hearts and when it comes to our, our identity and when it comes to knowing who we are in Christ, it is only Christ that we live to please. Jesus said it like this in John 5 and verse 30. He says, I don't try to please. This is Jesus. I don't try to please myself, but I try to please the one who sent me. What's he saying here? He's saying, I live for the audience of one. The audience of one. And so number two, a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. How do I be me? Number three, by being a long game builder, not a short game success. Long game building, not short game success. Hebrews 3, 4 says, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Have you ever built something? Billy car, I remember as a kid, we used to make billy carts or, or whatever you used to call them and run them down the street and the wheel would fall off and, and all that. But it always takes time, doesn't it? Like, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm impatient. Like, can't we just go to the shop and buy one? 
No, you've got to build it. And anyone build a house or had a house built for them? It takes time, right? Like Sharon and I uh, built our first house and, and, and it took forever. Like, it would have been so cool just to go down and go, yeah, that one. And then sort of like, here's the keys and off you go. I mean, that would be awesome, right? But who knows that it takes time to build. But it takes even longer time to build well. Do you know that the curing process of a foundation is years? Like builders will wait what, you know, they'll wait what, five, six weeks or whatever before they start building on top of it. But to actually see that foundation cured and be at its strongest point actually takes years. That's why in scripture you'll see that when it came to building the temple, it says in 1 Kings that they were, it took four years to establish the foundation and then another seven years to build. Four years just getting the foundations right. So you and I aren't wired that way. We want it now. We want to drive through God's version of McDonald's, and I want it now, God. Now, this is a good test for how you're going in the patient stakes. Because who knows that if you go and sit at a restaurant and order, you're not 100% sure when the meal, it will just come when it comes. Right? And we understand that. So that's why we go to the drive through because it's like, no, I want it now. And you know you've got patience issues when they make you park in the waiting bay. <laughs> come on. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there are some of you here today, and I may be one of them, that if I get asked to go on the waiting bay, I'm so dumb. I'm like, what? what is the point of this drive? What? I drove through because I wanted to keep driving. I don't want to park. If I wanted to come in, I would have parked. I don't want to come in. Just keep... It's a good sign that we're struggling with patience. <laughs> but here's the thing. There's areas of our life that we just don't want to apply ourselves to the process of building and building strong. You know, and the temptation is always there for a shortcut. The temptation is there, how can I get there quicker? But here's the thing. When it comes to building and building right, it is a long game. There are no shortcuts. And what I've learned with me is that when I'm content, when I know who God's wired me to be, because I am a, a bit of a... Uh, tortoise, not a hare, and not just because of physically, so just settle down. All right. But God actually rewired me. When I was a youth pastor, I was taught to be the hare. First one there wins. All right? It's not true, because he didn't get there first, if you know the story. But we think that. Quick, 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 quick. Come on, success. Yeah, build it. Yeah, awesome. Look at this, pumped. Yeah. <laughs> that was the way I was taught. But then... Sharon and I have been on a journey and God began to speak to us and he totally rewired us and turned us into tortoises. Before we even planted a church, God spoke to us and he actually, I, I get visuals, I shared that with your leader, I get, and I get weird visuals and I actually got that one. I got that one of the hair of the tortoise and God said, I want you to be the tortoise. And I'm like, what do you mean God? He goes, you know what, I want you to be in it for the long haul. People around you are going to look like they're getting ahead of you. People around you are going to look like success. People around you are going to have stuff. But Josh, I've called you to build and I've called you to build something that lasts. And so now for me, how do I be me is I understand that I'm in it for the long haul, not for the short haul. All right? And for me, the lure of success will make me do things outside of who God's called me to do. If, if I see what everyone else is doing and I start comparing their lane and I start thinking, well, gee, Hope Church isn't as successful or, or this isn't as successful as, as someone else, then what all that's going to do is cause me to step outside of my gifting, step outside of my lane, try to be someone else so I can get some short-term success. But who knows that there's a passage in Scripture where there's a, where there's a couple of guys who build and one looks for the quick way home and he builds on sand. And another one builds on the rock. When the wind blows, we know the story. It's harder to build on rock. It takes more effort. There's a foundation that needs to go down. But I tell you, when we get our foundation set, God establishes us for the long haul. Not just for a season. I don't know about you, but I don't want my effectiveness in Christ. I don't want what he's called me to be and called me to do to be just... Here and there. I want to go the long haul. I want to finish the race as Timothy talks about. I want to be able to, or Paul, I want to run my race and I want to be vibrant and I want to cross over that end. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time and a season for everything. For everything. So can I encourage you this morning? Be patient. Be committed to the long game, to building, to growing, to maturing, because maturing is not an overnight thing. So how do I be me? Play the long game. I promise you, if you can just 
realize that God is wanting to build you and that you're not going to have everything done tomorrow, that what he's called you to is line upon line, precept upon precept, or Sarah Lee says, layer upon layer. <laughs> right? That's how God builds. Scripture says, line upon line, precept upon precept. Just as a, as a teacher would teach a child, bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. Here's the thing, how do you and I be us? By avoiding the temptation to take the shortcuts, but be committed to letting God build us step by step, line by line, layer upon layer. The last one is this. How do I be me? By knowing who I am and by being true to who I am. These are simple points this morning. This last one is the simplest of all, but I think it's the most powerful. Because knowing who I am and who I am not is really, really important. Having a realistic view of myself is so important if I'm going to be the Josh that God has called me to be. Romans 12.3 says, To not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God's distributed to each of you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, To be alert and of sober mind. Right? That word sober means calm and collected. It means poised. A calm mind, a poised mind. Right? It says that the enemy prowls around looking for who he can devour. So it says, have a, sober, have a poised mind. So it speaks to us, these scriptures speak to us about just having a really good understanding of who I am and who I'm not. What God has gifted me for and what he hasn't. And so you know what the beauty of this is? That as I get honest with myself, it actually allows me then to operate out of my grace zone. Because God has purposed every single one of us with certain things. God has graced my life for certain things. Where I see maximum fruit is when I understand who I am and who I'm not and I operate in my grace zone. You know, there's a whole lot of books around about, you know, work on your weaknesses. I don't agree with that. I'm like, you know what? Capitalize on your strengths and then build around you people who are better at doing things than you are in your weaknesses and build a great team. That's what I believe. Whereas there's so many people trying to get better at stuff that they're not good at and getting all bent out of shape about it when the reality is God has graced you and I for certain things. And the, and the, the key right, to freedom in our lives is to understand what those things are and then to walk in them. But then to allow God to build around us the full collage, the full picture, the mosaic that he has and bring together the body of Christ, the arm, the foot, the head, the eye, bring it all together to, to, to actually be the body of Christ. And so when I'm in my grace zone, it allows me to surround myself with people who can complement my life. That's why I married Sharon. Best move I ever made. When we catch up with people and it's, they need advice, I zip the lips and I let her talk. She's got more wisdom. I drive away and go, oh man, I should have said this. And I, and she, but she just says it right there. So I've learned just to zip it, let her talk. You see, that's understanding your grace zone and, and having someone compliment you. Sharon makes me look so much better than I really, really am. <laughs> I'm almost there. I want to pray for some people today. Someone that I... Uh, like to listen to and follow and really respect in ministry is a, is a pastor called Pastor Chris Hodges. He's in the US and he talks that for you and I, there's four aspects to our lives. He talks about the arena, the mask, the blind spot and the potential. And you know, the arena part is that part that people see. It's the, public, it's the part that you're seeing today. So what you're seeing today of Josh, if you don't know me, is you're seeing the arena me. You're seeing me preaching the word. For many of us, what we never progress past is allowing people to see anything more than the arena us. The arena us, right? And when we, when we only let people see the public us, the arena us, then we never ever actually dig beneath the surface and get to heart issues as I talked about at the start. But what happens is, we stay on the surface with people. Right? You with me? And so that's the arena us. 
And so we actually, at that stage, if we don't progress past the arena side of our lives, we will never actually build meaningful and lasting relationships. And, you know, you see people go, oh, man, like, I'm lonely, and, and I've got no relationships, and I've got no friendships. And I see people say that in our church, and they're in small groups. And, and, and I scratch my head, and I go, how could that be? You see, how it is is that you can be amongst a crowd, but if we only operate at the level of arena then we're never actually going to let people into our heart. Then all of our relationships will be surface. And there'll never be meaningful and lasting relationships. And so then the next part is the mask. And that's the part where there's there's some things about me that you don't know. There's some things about me that you don't know. I've got some secrets. (laughs) All right. Now, here's where the problem is. For you and I, when we, have the mar- when, we, when we don't progress past the math side, is that we all have some secrets, but the problem is when I'm the only person who knows those secrets. When I'm the only one who knows. Now, here's the thing. Not everyone needs to know. That would be unwise, but someone needs to know. We all need people in our lives where we can actually take the mask off and be ourselves where we can actually take the mask off and go, you know what, this is actually the real me, where people can have the opportunity to be shocked if they want, but it's an opportunity to go, you know what, here's the arena me, but now I've actually got a mask and and I'm about to drop it and this is the real me. We all need people like that in our lives where we can take the mask off. You know, friends are the ones who ask the real questions. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we go to God for forgiveness, but we actually go to God's people for healing. I need, you need someone in your life where you can drop the mask. We really do. Because I believe this, and this is what Pastor Chris Hodges also says, we'll only ever be as sick as our secrets. So who right now, have you dropped your guard with, dropped your mask, and who's in your world right now that allows you to be you? Now the next stage that we go to is the blind spot, and that's where it's those things that you don't see. This is the best way I can explain it. Blind spots are like BO. Everyone else knows except for you. (laughs) I had a situation like that a couple of years ago within my family that I had to deal with. All my brothers made me do it. Oh, you're the pastor, Josh. You do it. Had to speak to a family member and let them know that deodorant's a great idea. They said to me, oh, Josh, I thought I I didn't need it. I'm like, I know you need it. Um, you see, it's the blind spot. Imagine if I had not told them. So I'm going from a, a laugh to a serious, but imagine how, how, how sad and how, like, are we really committed to one another? Uh, is relationship real when, when my family member has body odour and no one's, everyone's too scared to tell him? That says something about the depth of relationship. That says something about are we really being authentic and real or, or are we stuck with masks, and are we stuck at the, re- the arena side? Because you know what? For all of us, we need people in our lives who can, who can see those areas that we can't. Sharon is one for me, and, and even on my staff, some of my staff, I've empowered them to be a blind spot checker for me, that they don't have to wait for me, but it's like, you know what? I'll actually go to them, and I'll ask them, and I'll go, okay, so how do you think I'm going right now? Now, that, that's, that's, a, that's a very open question. But you know what, if we're going to be committed to authenticity, if we're going to be committed to being the real us, we need some people in our world where we can actually have our blind spots shown to us. What is that? That's growth opportunity. That's where discipleship takes place. That's where we actually begin to grow. Proverbs 27.6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. The last thing, and then we're going to pray, is the potential side of us. And that's where we all want to be. Right, so we've got the arena, the mask, the blind spots. But then you have this last arena of our personalities, or, and it's our potential. And that's the part that none of us will ever know about unless we commit to growing through those first three. Isn't that where we all want to be? Where we can realize and step into the fullness of what God's called us to. Where we actually go from being restricted to being empowered. Isn't that where we want to be, the potential us? And I want to pray today that for your life, for your marriage, in this church and in your relationships, that we would be people committed to working through those phases, to being the real us. Because I wonder what could happen in a church. I wonder what could happen in a community when you've got a people committed to stepping through the first few with a desire to get to potential. 
Because you know what potential is? It's that part that none of us, we have no idea what it could be. And we'll never know unless we're prepared to step in and say, okay, God, the real me. Just wonder if we can just close our eyes this morning. Maybe you can stand to your feet. I know our time's done, but Gary did say I can go as long as I want. But I really do want to pray specifically for two things today. And the first group of people I want to pray for and simply is this. It's that acceptance of who God says you are. You know, I just sense right across the room and and with a group this size, it wouldn't be unusual that there are people here and you're struggling just to be who God's called you to be. And I just want to pray a prayer with you today where you can just draw a line in the sand and just really begin to accept who God says you are, the real you. And in doing so, I believe today can be a significant step for you to begin to discover God's purpose for your life. Because right now, that acceptance is holding you back from stepping into what God has. Your struggle with yourself is actually holding you back from stepping into what God has for you. And I want to pray today that those shackles be broken. I want to pray today that you can leave this place with a fresh sense of confidence and boldness and courage in God. And just like Colossians said at the start, that you can know this real life found in Christ and that you can really know what it is to live. So with no one else looking around, just me, I want to know today who I'm praying for, who, who says, Josh, today, would you pray for me? Would you include it? I need to accept that. I need to start with acceptance. I need to accept who God says I am. If that's you, would you raise your hand in this room so I can see it? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Once you've, I've seen those hands, awesome. It, Lord, we thank you today for these precious, precious people. Lord, people created in your image. Lord, I thank you for young women and men and mature women and mature men this morning who have, who have responded. And God, I pray today that they would be able to just take a step forward into purpose. God, I pray that you would help them to recognize who you say they are. God, I pray all the lies of the enemy. Lord, I pray all the hurtful words that have been spoken in their younger years things that have been spoken over them, that have become a label to them. God, we just pray for those to be stripped off today in Jesus' name. God, I pray that those shackles be broken. Lord, that the hurtful words that people have spoken would be broken today in Jesus' name. We rebuke the lies in Jesus' name. And God, we declare over every single one of them that they are created in your image. They're your children. You love them. They're they're precious. They're beautiful. And you love them so very, very much. God, we pray today that you would help them to accept who you say they are. And God, I pray that you'd give them a supernatural revelation of how you see them. Lord, cause them to see themselves through the lens that you see them. God, give them a revelation. I pray your grace upon them today. God, grace upon grace. Lord, that would help them to see what you see. God, we don't want to live looking at the natural, but as Colossians said at the very beginning, we want our eyes to be looking at the heavenly things. We want our mind to dwell on the heavenly realm, not on the earthly realm. God, I pray you'd give them a glimpse of heaven today. God, I pray that you'd give them a glimpse of your purpose, of your promise, of how much you love them. Lord, for every imperfection, affection that they have in their life. God, we know that your grace is sufficient. And God, I pray today that you put a courage and a strength in them in Jesus' name. Here's the last thing, and I'll hand back to Pastor Gary, is I want to pray today around positioning. You know, I talked about my football and being in the wrong position, talked about the orchestra and being in the wrong position. You know, and I just sense that for some of you today, you've been, and, and it doesn't come from a bad place. It's not like you've been trying to fool anyone or trying to, uh, you've been actually trying to do your best. You've been trying to do what you know. But I just got a really strong sense as I was praying for this morning that there are some here and you're actually playing the wrong instrument. You're playing the wrong instrument or you're playing the wrong part. And what God wants to do today is he really just wants to position you. He wants to position you in his great orchestra and he wants to take the pressure off because there's so much pressure that comes with trying to play a part that you haven't been skilled to play. 
When I was trying to be a midfielder, I felt overwhelmed. I couldn't do it. I didn't know what to do. And I was ineffective. But you know, when I got released into my position, when the coach said, no, Josh, this is where you fit, it was amazing how all of a sudden the game made sense to me. It was amazing how all of a sudden I could be successful and and see some fruitfulness purely because of a positioning. And I just really sense today, there are those that are here and your heart is for God. You love him with all your heart. It's not an issue of desire. It's not an issue of mass. It's not an issue of trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. But in your desperation to do something from God, you, you actually recognize you've been doing a whole lot of things that aren't you. You've actually ended up in a position where you're not being fruitful and effective. And I just believe today God wants to begin to position your heart. That's where it starts. And he actually wants to do something in your heart of positioning. You know, it might not physically outwork itself today or in the next week. But what God's going to do is he's going to begin to position your heart. And as your heart's positioned with him, and as you walk that path of positioning your heart with him, the what you do will unfold. The what you need to do, the position you need to be in, all of that is going to come clear because it's going to come from a place of search my heart, oh God. And I want to pray for you today. And again, with every eye closed, just to give people privacy. It's a moment between you and God. And you say, Josh, that's me. Would you pray for me today? I need God to reposition my heart. I want to come into alignment. Yeah, thank you. God bless you over there. Is there anyone else this morning? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, over here. Anyone else? You say, Josh, would you pray for me? Things haven't been working out as you hoped. You expected things to be different, but you find yourself here today and you're passionate. But it's just not working. God's saying, you know what? I want to position your heart. And then I'm going to position All that comes next. Is there anyone else? As I look across this room, I just yeah, awesome, 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 awesome. Come on, church, can we pray? Lord, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. Lord, again, we thank you for what was written there in the book of Colossians. And we, we think of the things of heaven today, not the things of earth. And God, I pray that you would, you would uh, reveal to each person that real life that you have for them, God. That real life that's not hidden in what the world has to offer, but it's hidden in you, God. It's hidden in you. And God, I pray for each person that today there'd be an alignment of heart. Lord, that you would first align their hearts, that you would position their hearts. And God, I just pray all the striving, all the pressure, all the, all the effort, all the tiredness and the weariness and the frustration that has come with trying to map it out. God, I just pray today that that burden would lift. There's some of you, and you're carrying incredible burdens. Some of you, the burden is so strong, it's actually affecting your health. And I just want to pray over that right now. In the name of Jesus, we just pray for those burdens to lift. God, where there's health issues as a result of the load being carried, God, we just pray for a release today in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for a supernatural miracle. We pray for health to bones. We pray healing to bodies today in Jesus' name. But God, we pray that you would remove that weight, that burden that is causing... Lord, this, uh, this sickness in Jesus' name. Lord, we just pray that burdens would be lifted today. Lord, the burden of being something we're not. God, the burden of trying to match up to what people think we should be. Today, God, we want to rest in knowing who you say we are. Lord, we want to rest in the knowledge that our hearts are aligned to you. And God, we pray from that. Lord, would you take care of our positioning? We pray that today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Can we give God a, a shout of praise?